When it comes to collegiate athletics, the NCAA stands alone. Attracting the best from around the world with the promise of top-flight competition, subsidized education, and a captive, established audience. With the depth of the fields as they are right now, no one can really fake their way to the NCAA championships. It's weeks of racing in the run-up. Just to have made it to Eugene this year meant that you had to be one of the best of the best. On this week's show, we'll chat with two people that stand out in that exclusive crowd, Ben Flanagan, hailing from the KWC, is the 2018 10,000 meter champion representing the Block M of Michigan. We'll chat about keeping his cool in the heat of the big race, the post-race hype, and a whole lot more. But first, Charlotte Prowse, the silver medalist in the steeple from London, talks about speaking out, staying healthy, and the steepler's guide to the perfect insta-pick. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Twitter and Instagram, a Tracky Radio production. Charlotte Prowse is an athlete who's shown great promise for a long time, tearing it up initially as a youth and as a junior. From there, she left London, Ontario for U Washington. There, she ran into some difficulties, which we talk about, transferred to New Mexico, and has come out the other side stronger, placing well this past fall at NCAA Cross, and now adding a silver medal in the steeple at NCAAs this year. We caught up with her earlier this week. In the NCAA, like it's in pursuit of those fast times all throughout the season and qualifying, I guess, once you get to those rounds as well, too. But through it all, it's all singles, like you're only running one 3,000 meter steeple. Then you get to NCAA championships and you have to run, you know, I wouldn't say like tons of rounds or whatever, but like there's there's a qualifier and stuff. How do you prepare for that after a season of just, you know, running one and dones? And uh, do you feel like, you know, you had a bit of an advantage going into NCAA championships? Um, Yeah, it's definitely um, something you have to remember kind of with the lead up and um, especially in the heat. Like I just tried to keep it as relaxed as I could and as well just trying to stay safe at the same time. And I think um, this season went really well with um, not really having to you know, do a lot before um, with like having raced um, only steeples and kind of getting to pick and choose when I started my season. And um, I was very fortunate that um, the coaches decided that for me, the best, like allowed me to best prepare for um, the rounds was to pace, um, you know, after a race. I think that that really helped me, you know, be able to see, okay, how would I feel the next day and how would I feel the day after that and kind of um, changing workouts according to that and how I was recovering. And I think with recovering well after races and um, taking as much time as I needed until I did my next workout or anything like that, just throughout the season, like really listening to my body and making sure by the time I got to Eugene that I was well rested and like ready to run and knew that um, I had done all the work and just stay safe and get through that final. And when you do that, you kind of just have to forget that he even happened and picture the final as a fresh new race. So I think, yeah, just letting the body um, recover all season after races and after workouts and just um, building a little base of, you know, running steeples constantly. So when I got to the Saturday um, afternoon, I wasn't totally beat up by a whole season already. 
So talking to Ben Flanagan um, for also for the the show, and he he kind of had this idea going in that he could definitely win that ten thousand meter race. You came second, which is an absolutely huge result. That's uh, you know it's it's mind blowing really. And um, you know, did you have that idea that you could podium or even you know maybe push for a win in that uh, in that three thousand meter steeple? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I go into, you got to go into a race hoping to shoot for that win. And, um, I mean, definitely I was hyped up and inspired by Ben, um, on Thursday night, he is one of the most deserving people of that. And, um, I was so excited for him. And when it came down to, you know, Saturday, I wanted to put my best foot forward out there and, you know, see what I could do. I was ninth my freshman year and had a pretty rocky year last year and, I just wanted to go out there and enjoy it. I think for myself when I'm having fun with it and, you know, I focus in on, you know, doing what I can do and running my race and not worrying about other people. I always tend to run a lot better. So I obviously wanted to, you know, be all American. That's always the goal going into big national meets. And I had a feeling that I was ready for a good race. And I thought on a good day, I could be top three, top three. And if all the stars aligned, maybe I could, you know, get the win. But for me, getting second, I was I was super happy with it. And yes, I would like to win in coming years. And that's always a goal. And you always have to be a little bit disappointed in that if you want to, you know, continue to be pushed to be better. But second was really exciting for me just with, you know, looking back at the 365 days and where I was the year before at that time and I was just really, really happy with it. And, um, yeah, getting second at nationals, you can never be too upset about it. And that was one of my, I think, best races of staying focused and staying in it for the the hunt with about two laps to go, really trying to, you know, stay focused and keep moving forward. But, yeah, hopefully two years I'll be where Ben was. And, um, yeah, Canada did great. So it was just really exciting all around with, how Canadians were doing in all the races as well. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, your progression because you have, uh, you know, such a such a fantastic story to tell about that. Uh, before we get there, though, I have to wonder. Uh, you know, we mentioned earlier that uh, that Hayward Field uh, is undergoing a lot of construction. Um, I think that there is a lot of negativity surrounding that, but I mean, I guess there's a positive in that there's going to be a new stadium there as well too. You know, did you get any sort of, you know, weird feelings running the last meet there? And, and do you, like, do you, do you get the lore that, that surrounds it? I mean, I've been very fortunate to run at Hayward three times. So my first ever steeple my freshman year was at Hayward Field. And it was just for a Pepsi invite. Like, it was uh, four teams when I was at UW. And um, I won that race. And just, like, even for a small meet like that, the crowd was amazing and um, it was so exciting. It was probably to this day one of like just most exciting atmospheres I've been in because people in Eugene just love track and field and love Hayward Field. And um, Hayward is a really, really cool place. Like you, you know, you enter the stands and it's just an exciting moment. And um, the feeling when you walk out from underneath the staging, like on the, finish line track side underneath the stands when you get to walk out it's just such a cool feeling like it's as cheesy it is like the air feel like you feel the 
like electricity in the air and like the excitement for everyone. And um, it's, it was really, I'm pretty sad that it is getting uh, taken down and the direction that the plans have gone with. I mean, everyone loves how historic Hayward Field and it's called historic Hayward for a reason. So definitely a bit of a bummer, but I think, you know, they want to host a big meet in 2021. So hopefully I'll get to go back and race there and, you know, see what that one's like. And um, I mean, crowd in Eugene will always be, you know, excited about any track and field that they have, whether or not the stadium's the same, but it's definitely, I wish I could take a little piece of the track with me, but. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, you know, earlier this year, I would say that you made quite a few waves in, in the track and field community, uh, especially up here in Canada. Um, you know, reading your blog post, Dear NCAA Coaches, uh, kind of, you know, uh, alludes to your time uh, at UW um, and your move to New Mexico and, and that sort of stuff. Now, since then, there there has been a lot that has come out about the UW situation and uh, and that sort of stuff. <sighs> you know, taking a look back at it now, you know, have your, have your feelings changed at all? And, um, you know, how, how are you feeling about it now? Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm very, very thankful for all the opportunities that I was, um, given and all the care that, um, I received, you know, when I was at UW, but at the end of the day, I just think that that place wasn't, going to be the healthiest and the best for me and when I left I was super upset because um you know transferring is never easy um and my freshman year I was in love with UW like I was purple and gold the whole way and I think um it was really hard for me to accept that I didn't love the place as much as I thought I did and um yeah when I wrote that blog post I wrote it in about it took me a couple months to kind of word it the way I wanted to word it. And um, we're still kind of going through experiences with transferring and, you know, adapting to a new team. And at the end of the day, I'd talked to a lot of people, you know, friends of mine that go to other schools. And um, I'd had a lot of experience of my own with everything that I went through. And I just felt like I wanted to say what I had always been feeling and, just wanted to let other people know that if they felt that way or they've experienced stuff like that, that, you know, they're not alone. And everyone always says that, but I think, um, putting it out there and writing it in words and then putting it out there to the world for me was really, um, therapeutic in a way. Like it allowed me to, um, start to really move on and kind of let go of UW and start looking into, okay, I've overcome this. Like, let's see how far we can go now. And, um, yeah, I definitely had some positive views and responses and some negative ones, but at the end of the day, I, I still do really believe that what I wrote, um, is unfortunately true at a lot of places in the NCAA. Well, I'm, I mean, that's the thing. I, th- I think that we as a people and, you know, especially as athletes are more empowered than ever. And uh, you see that that more and more people are, are speaking out. And uh, I, I think it's a very good thing. Do you think that that the culture is actually changing, um, you know, at places like like these? You know, are we moving forward? Are we taking that step forward? Yeah, I, re- I mean, I really hope so. I think right now the NCAA... Um, last year and this year was in a little bit of a 
a dip with, I think, a lot of things are going along at a lot of places for a lot of people. And I'm really, really hoping that um, it is on that upward swing. And I think it is. And I think that the more people talk about it instead of saying that, oh, we need to talk about this more and this needs to be not so hush-hush and actually doing and being doing something and being progressive about it and, um, you know, putting the money where their mouth is and, like, speaking about it and getting resources for athletes and things like that. I really hope that, um, you know, in the next couple of years that obviously um, mental health and all that stuff with athletics is always going to be an issue and um, especially in the NCAA when it is, it is very demanding and it is really hard to kind of find yourself worth outside of it. But I do really hope that it starts going that way just more and more each year. And um, it may not be gone, but um, better resources out there for people who need it. And um, just allowing it for it to be more talked about and coaches just to know how much impact they do have on, you know, the athletes that are around them with what they do and don't say. You know, you've you've had such a banner year this year, and you talked about how far you've come even in even in the past, you know, 365 days. Um, you know, I think back to when you were at UW, you had, uh, you know, you had stress fracture, and, you know, the, the rumors were flying around and, and were plenty, and I'm, I'm sure you heard those as much as, uh, as anyone else did. You know what was it? What was it like that that transition process? I mean, moving to a new coach and, and a new program and stuff. But you know, you're coming in, and uh, you know that you have to get yourself healthy and you have to build yourself up. You know, like what what was that transition like? Yeah, it definitely was very scary. I left Seattle in June, um, at the end of June, and was transferring and had no idea where I was going or what I was going to do. And I had just found out. I think two weeks earlier that I had broke my um, heel um, and my ankle. So that was really, really hard for me to kind of mentally come to adjust um, knowing that that was an accumulation of an entire, I guess, eight months of, you know, some of my lowest points in my life. And I think it just really felt like I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I don't know if I'm meant to do this anymore. And, it took a long time to kind of decide that, no, like I want to continue this. Like I have so many things that I've wanted to do and I still want to do um, with my time in the NCAA. And I think it took a lot of actually trying to decide and figure out if that was what was right for me and whether or not maybe staying at home and moving back and going to Western or going somewhere in Canada or just not running and, um, you know, going in a different direction in life. And I think it took me a while to kind of accept that and, you know, realize that, no, like I love running and I want to do this for myself because I know I can. And I know that at the end of, um, you know, my career and however long that is, like this is going to be something I look back at and go, like I did this for myself. And um, it was hard, like going to New Mexico is, is very different than London, Ontario, and is even more different than Seattle. And um, I think that was one thing that really helped me. Like it was a complete change. Like I was going from the Pacific Northwest, which rains a ton, and London, Ontario, which is covered in snow in the wintertime, <laughs> going to the desert where it's, you know, sunny and warm um, pretty much all the time. But I think that really helped me kind of, get that feeling of this is a fresh start so let's do it right and 
let's continue to progress forward and just knowing and allowing myself to know that it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be perfect, but just being um, 1% better every day, I can just continue to do that and accumulate that over, you know, the three years I'll have at New Mexico. And just by the end of that time, like imagine how much better and stronger I can be um, from when I started in the NCAA and how much I will have learned about myself and, how I can, you know, grow with that. And I think, you know, I was very fortunate with how well everything went in the fall. And, I mean, winning a team title my first um, race with New Mexico at Nationals um, for the season was so exciting. I think that just really meant more than any individual title will ever mean to me. It was, it was just an accumulation, like I said, of a year of a lot of, crap and it came to that moment and it was like this is why I love this sport because of being around um you know a family that I've like been so privileged to be put in and you know indoor was hard and I have not figured out indoor and I'm <laughs> I'm thankful for it in a way and I think it just made me really determined to you know continue my success and have to you know realize that you can't be perfect three seasons in a year. And just knowing that if I continue to work hard and get to outdoor, if I continue to do all the right, make all the right choices and continue to work hard and be patient and trust in the coaching and the process that, um, you know, I, I know that, you know, the coaches at New Mexico will have me ready for nationals and um, just know that I had to trust myself and not, you know, worry about what other people were doing and, you know, just enjoy it and be able to smile and, you know, really look back and be like, look at how far you've come from last year. And even that was big progress. So um, at the end of the day, if I, you know, didn't get second, which I was really exciting, just knowing that I had already come so far and just being happy and content with that and knowing that, you know, we still have more time to go and it doesn't have to be perfect right away and just trusting and, in myself that, you know, hopefully one day we'll get there. You know, you ran a, a 945 this season, uh, so, so close to your personal best, which is a couple years yeah. now. I, I mean, that has to be a real monkey on your back. But I mean, the 945, that puts you in the conversation <laughs> nationally. Um, you know, is your season over now? Or are you, you going to make the trip up to Ottawa and, and maybe try the the national championships? Yeah, so I've been training for nationals and i'm super excited to race back on canadian soil again it's been a while so that'll be really fun and yeah the training's been going well so i'm exciting ex excited to um yeah to race again and the steeplechase race at nationals is going to be really good yeah i mean there's tons of good girls in canada right now and i think that's just really exciting and hopefully i can sneak under that pb and that's been haunting me since <laughs> my freshman year but yeah hopefully get that and hopefully qualify for NACAC got a few seconds to shave off to get that and hopefully be able to put on a Canadian single this summer and you know that's always the goal and it's always super exciting to do especially when NACACs are in Ontario but if not um, Canadians would be my last race if I didn't qualify for NACACs and um, I think I'd be quite content with it there and you know and get ready for my last season of cross country and um yeah get some rest and we'll see what happens after nationals just focusing on that for now so where'd the bubbles thing come from 
<laughs> the the Instagram name or the gum. Well, you're saying that they're not connected. They are not. Um, so uh, my nickname was Bubbles because when I wear my glasses, my eyes get really big and I look like Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys, but it's now been adapted by chewing gum. So I guess it's a two-in-one now. And where, where I mean, you, you ran one of your qualifiers chewing gum, and I believe you, you actually blew a bubble. Um, you know, where, where did that come from? Um, yeah, the gum, I just started chewing it when I moved to Albuquerque because it's super dry, and I just would chew gum during workouts, and the coaches just told me to do whatever I did in workouts and races, and um, it kind of just distracts me in a way. And, you know, it keeps my mouth from not drying up. And, yeah, I just started to do it, and people thought it was really weird. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I just I did it in cross country and just continue to do it into track. And uh, just something I started in workouts because the desert is very dry. So, yeah. You know, you, you mentioned the uh, the whole Instagram thing. I have to know, you know, as, as a as normal runners, you know, most people are pretty self-conscious about the, you know, the photos that they put up, you know, form is very important in an Instagram post of you running, but you're a steepler and like, there's an added thing to that. Cause obviously you want a picture of yourself jumping over a barrier. You know, do you go through your pictures and you're like, Oh, my, my jumping form's not so great there. My hurdle form's really not good there. Uh, yeah, I guess that one's okay. Like, is, is that something that goes on in your head? Yeah, and it's actually kind of nice because you can, you know, see what part in the race um, you start to fall apart at. And I think it's almost like a way of uh, training, um, you know, being able to see, okay, like I need to, um, you know, lift my trail leg or keep my toe up. And for me, I need to lean a bit forward when I go over the hurdle. So it's actually been kind of helpful, you know, when the, like my coaches say, like, you need to lean forward. Like I can actually visually see it, but there definitely are some faces when you know you're on that downward strike coming over the barrier and the entire face has drooped and it's just not a nice look but I think that just comes with the photos and you just have to hope that you know you can remove the tag quickly enough for before someone sees it but I've gotten a few screenshots of zoomed in right on my face which is always really nice to see on a text after you've gotten back from a race. Oh, I bet, I bet. But just remember, you're never as bad as Rob Deneau. I have some really great pictures of that guy, and he's probably going to be really upset that I even <laughs> mentioned it. But he has some of the most lethal, you know, um, you know, down pictures of anyone. I think. Well, Charlotte Prowse, oh, awesome. I mean, you've had such a, a great year, and I don't think that it's done yet. I'd like to see you go under under that uh, that. PB, I think that you can probably do it as well too. And I'm really glad to hear that you're you're in such a good place now. And you know, thanks a lot for being on the show this week. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm guessing if you're listening to the show, you've probably heard about Kitchener Waterloo and University of Michigan's Ben Flanagan. He was out last year injured, but Ben came back this year, and this spring it was like he was progressing weekly to eventually make it through to the NCAA championships. There, despite having one of the slowest seeds, he hung on until the end, making a very strong move with about 100 left to go to win the 10,000 meter title. Now, moments later, he was caught on ESPN earnestly looking for his mom, and, well, 
the rest they say is history. We chatted with Ben earlier this week, and we started by asking about his junior coach and a true character, Big Pete Grinbergs. Yeah, he uh, he reached out to me. Um, I I've been dying to get to to visit him, and unfortunately, um, I haven't got the chance yet. Last time I, I went home, it was just a whirlwind uh, of a forty hours while I was there, so I haven't got a chance to see him in person. But message uh, over Facebook, so uh, we have been in touch, but uh, are very due for a nice long conversation. Um, I always loved seeing Pete, so it'd be it'd be pretty cool to see him after this experience. But he, he's doing well, so um, so that makes me happy. I mean that that's like if you look back at it, that's that's where it really started. I mean, he was your your first club coach and stuff. And I I don't know, like did did you have any idea back then that you wanted to take this running thing as far as you have? For sure, um, yeah. I mean, I I've always been a dreamer, um, and and that's something. He can certainly attest to very lofty goals. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll say when I was in high school, you know, some of those goal settings almost came at a pretty naive level. I didn't really, really took at the collegiate level to be, um, to be very successful and, you know, accomplish the goals that I was setting. But um, he was really good for me at, at that time because, um, you know, he was very lighthearted and, and fun and he made it enjoyable. Um, and he never held me back on my goals. He he was always very encouraging and supportive of, but made sure I was having uh, you know having a lot of fun along the way. So uh, we worked really really well together in that sense. Well, if we can, I'd like to go back to just a couple of weeks ago uh, at the NCAA ten thousand meter championships. And um, first of all, I I want to give a little bit of a precursor to anyone who hasn't listened yet. Go check out the uh, the Sidious Meg um, podcast with you on it. It's probably i think it's a little over an hour of really really great content it was one of those things where i listened to it i was like well what can i talk to ben about just because there's so so much good content there uh so yeah definitely go check that out it's with uh with chris chavez but you know you mentioned that that you were you you talked to sully that that you were there for the win you you felt like you could win that thing that being said, that that race went off so weird, man. Like the first two hundred, the first four hundred, uh, the first lap and a half just went off super, super quick. But you kind of held off. Uh, and it, where was your confidence at at that point in the race? You know, in the first couple laps. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely take you take you through it. Uh, before I do, um, I appreciate the the shout out with Sidious. Um, Chris does a really good job. Um, uh, you know, establishing a really, a really natural conversation. So I'm glad you, uh, I appreciate you checking out that podcast. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Um, and I also want to just, you know, give you a big shout out that I'm, I'm really happy to, to be on this podcast. I know, I know you've had me on here in the past and I just talking to you. So thanks for having me today. Oh man, no problem. No problem. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I always, uh, want to make sure I, I tell you how much I appreciate, uh, you reaching out. So thank you. Um, so the race, yeah, it was uh, it was wild. Um, a lot going on, right? Um, uh, especially early in the race, you know, I came through in 31 seconds for the first 200, um, and that's something a lot of people asked about. You know, it's what goes through your mind. You know, do you panic when it's that fast? Kind of just fast enough to realize, you know, it. it, it you know, you're you're like, there's no way these guys. Like, how long can this really go on, right? Like there's obviously a part of a part of you that's like, yeah, maybe these guys are going to run away with it. You know, I know those Alabama athletes are, are, are incredibly talented, um, have low 28 minute PR. So yeah, there's that thought of like, Oh yeah, maybe those guys are going to, are going to run away with it. But it's also like, I don't think these guys are going to run 26 minutes today. Right. So they're going to have to at least some slow down at some level. 
um, just doing the math in your head. Um, so what I did at that point, you know, it goes out that fast. I looked around to the position I was in, and you know, I don't, I didn't think making a huge surge and trying to connect with those guys was going to be the smartest move, and it was going to be uh, pretty, pretty taxing to find some, you know, very reliable runners that I could gauge off of. Um, the NAU boys, Tyler Day and Matt Baxter, kind of fit that uh, image pretty well. Some of the BYU athletes um, who've been on uh, pretty high on the national stage before. Um, I wanted to surround myself with those guys and kind of gauge off of them because I figured, you know, they're only going to let it go on for so long and then someone was going to get antsy and want to close that gap. Um, so I kind of just put my trust in that and didn't want to be the guy to do it. Um, so I tried to find some people that, that I could really rely on that early in the race. On It was just about settling in with the pace once once we were connected again um, and really just waiting as long as possible until uh, until things really started to get going uh, near, near the tail end of things. Oh, for sure. And like that, that race was, was, like I said, it was a weird one. And, and that, uh, you know, like it was really up in the air until, I don't know, it, the race kind of looked like it was over with, with 200 left to go, but then you closed that gap and, and then you took off. When, when did you say for sure, you know, if I put it down right now, I can, I can win this. Like where, where did you know in your workouts that you'd have enough sprint speed to, to overtake it and, and take the win? Sure. Um, the workouts definitely came around and, you know, we touched on some speed work and first it was just getting under 60, feeling pretty comfortable, you know, and I, I would finish hard workouts, hard sessions, closing in 59 points. Um, and that was nothing crazy new to me. That's something I've done in the past, but it was good to get back to that level after uh, a bit of time off due to just some inconsistent training and injuries, et cetera. Um, and then the next step was kind of trying to start feeling good at 58s. And we started doing workouts, you know, doing multiple 58s. Um, we started touching in on 27, 28, 200s, and then eventually, I did before NCAA's session in, in 56 points. Um, and I was like, "Wow, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sharper than I've ever been before." Um, and that doesn't guarantee anything, right? But it, it, it's, it's a confidence booster. So I knew going into um, NCAA that, that I had that gear. Um, but I think regionals was, was really where the confidence boost came from. Um, because training only tells you so much, right? But putting together in a race and being able to close and uh, get brought uh, over in Florida to run 29.17, um, that was the fastest I've ever closed a 400 before, and that was the, the, the best I've ever felt doing it. Um, I would say that's when I really knew that that closing speed was there and I knew the strength was there. Um, so I had a feeling going in NCAAs I was going to be able to break 29, and I thought I'd be able to close in you know, ballpark 56, 57 seconds. And I knew if I could do both those things on the same day, um, I'd be in the mix for uh, the convention for the win. Well, yeah, that's that's one thing I was going to ask you about as well. I mean, like looking back to your high school days, um, while my knowledge isn't super, super deep on it, like what I remember you running back in high school was, you know, you were running 3,000s and 1,500s and, and that sort of stuff. Did you? Has the speed been something that you've developed since you've gotten to Michigan? Yeah, I would say we definitely touched on it, um, and, and a lot more so in recent years. Um, I've always been a strength-based runner. Um, anybody who's followed uh, my career uh, would have definitely noticed that. And, and in high school, especially, you know, the workouts I did with Pete were very much effort-based um, and really kind of, uh, you know, developing a sense of um, gauging your effort during a race and, and really trusting your strength and things like that. And, um, you know, we, we, we kind of raced uh, – race through the speed work. So just running 1500s was pretty much, um, 
how I developed a lot of speed. Aside from that, we didn't do a, a ton of speed work in high school, um, but but it fit really well with, with the type of training style that we were doing. Um, so when I came to college, I knew that that was a, a potential area that, that had some room to grow. Um, in my freshman year, we didn't tap into it really too much. Started training with, with Coach Sullivan. I, I tried to make it pretty explicitly clear, like, hey, um, you know, I, the strength is something I've always been able to rely on, but I do think I have a lot of potential improve my speed and I think you know the faster I run a 1500 I think it's going to end up being uh, a cause of um it's going to cause me to also run faster in my 10k um and that's something we kind of touched on more and more over the years and and this year in particular we really dialed in on it a lot of our training was really more 3k 5k based um as opposed to 10k based trusted that the strength has always been there um, and all of a sudden closing in low two minutes at, uh, for the last 800 just, just felt better than it ever has before. So um, it really did pay dividends to kind of tap into that system that, um, you know, had some room to grow. So you, you crossed the line at NCAAs, and, uh, you know, there, there was a phrase that was heard around the world by ESPN uh, where you were looking for, looking for your mom. You know, you had this idea that you could win that race, but did you have any idea that once you won that race, you know, your face and your story would end up literally everywhere, not just on, you know, nerdy running <laughs> running podcasts? Yeah, I, I know. I definitely didn't. And because uh, um, it, it's it's cool to, to have this experience because, you know, there's a lot of races that um, if I was interviewed afterwards and I didn't win, you know, I would still have said the same thing. You know, I won this race knowing that I could, um, and I, and and I didn't win, right? So there's no interview afterwards. <laughs> so uh, I think it's just what that, um, you know, having the right mindset and the confidence going into these races is one thing, but um, it all working out and you know the execution being there and exactly, you know, everything working out is is a privilege and such a fantastic moment. Um, so that was so cool, right? Uh, it's, you know, I knew I could win, but it actually happening um, just put me in total shock. It just, it just surpassed any expectations I could have ever dreamed of. The, the emotional rush I got from it was, and, and you know, it's the, the instinctual spawns cross the line is I just wanted to share that moment with my family, um, in particular my mother, because <laughs> um, I know how excited she was going to be for it, considering there she's been she's been by my side for all of it. You know the ups and the downs, and can be uh, that can be uh, a tough situation as a parent to kind of just see it all. You know, and it's all some of things are going well, but it can be tough um, when things aren't going well. So I just knew how it was going to mean to her seeing, seeing me accomplish, you know, my dream and seeing how happy I was. And, um, I really just wanted to express, uh, express to her how badly I wanted to share that moment with her. So that was really cool. Um, did I have any expectations of wind and, and taking off the way it did? No, I didn't. Um, it's really cool that I did just because, um, you know, people have been so kind about it. A lot of people have reached out to me and just, been so supportive and, and kind and it's been very humbling and, and I'm very grateful for it. So, um, really cool to, to share this experience with, with everybody, you know, anybody that, that wants to be involved with it, you know, I've just kind of welcomed in and 
gratitude um, for them taking the time to reach out to me. And it, it's been it's been really cool. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, like I've seen all these videos now as well, too. And uh, you obviously have such a strong, strong family support system. But, you know, take a look at at the Michigan side as well, too. I mean, they, there was that video that was uploaded of you coming over to your coach's section. And, you know, they're just so, so happy to see you. Um, I ran into to Jamie Phelan last week at uh, at the uh, at the 1500 meter night. And, uh, you know, she was just so, so proud of you as well, too. I mean, just it's it's so clear that the Michigan scene is so supportive. Um, I've heard that you're sticking around there. Is, does that have a lot to do with it? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've, you know, I've had the, the most amazing experience here. Um, and, you know, I could thank a million people. I could take up your entire, your podcast. <laughs> just, uh, just expressing gratitude to, to everybody at, at part of the University of Michigan community. Um, so they know who they are, and I'm, I'm very grateful for how supportive they've been throughout my career. And but inspirational, you know, have had their own performances that are just exceptional, and you know, inspires you to, to to train as hard as you can to you know put teams on, or points on the board for the team. And um, you know, you, we we're all in it together, right? It's a team. It's a team effort. Um, and and that NCAA championship was a team accomplishment. So um, I thought it was very fitting for. Uh, for the camera to be able to capture uh, that moment that we got to celebrate together. Um, because, uh, some, but, uh, to answer your question, yeah, that is definitely, um, a part of the reason I'm here. You know, I'm also still in school. So, uh, that, that's kind of limiting, um, my, uh, my, my, any travel plans I would have had because I, <laughs> I, I need to finish my degree. Um, but you know, even if that wasn't the case, um, I love Ann Arbor. Um, I love training under coach Sullivan. I love training with, um, the guys that are still in town, some of them had to go and, and that breaks my heart cause I'm going to miss them. But, uh, it's, it's a really cool place here and I've become very, very comfortable in this environment. Um, so yeah, I'm very comfortable with where I'm at right now, but, uh, I also need to, uh, focus on school as well. I mean, the, the post-collegiates who are training with, uh, with coach Warhurst is, uh, you know, obviously pretty, pretty phenomenal, but, uh, Sullivan, it looks like he's kind of gaining his own little group of, of post-collegiates who, who's there, who's there right now. I mean, that's uh, just a testament to uh, to how much people, you know, just don't want to let go of, of, of such a great experience. Um, Coach Sullivan, you know, is the 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 best situation I could have asked for. You know, he's he's an incredible coach. He's an incredible human being. Um, he's very supportive of his athletes. He instills a lot of belief with them, and something people get very familiar with. And and you know, trust and, and want to kind of hang on to even when uh, trying to transition to the next level because Coach Sullivan's career, um, Kevin Sullivan's career, and one of the most remarkable things about it is is he just never stopped. You know, he dominated the high school scene, he dominated the college scene, and then he dominated the professional scene. So um, no matter what point you're uh, in your career you are as an athlete, um, you can always trust what he's telling you because he's done it all himself, right? Um, so right now, uh, Mason Furlick's been kicking in town. He's also, I, I live with Mason now. We're roommates. That situation pretty convenient. Um, there's a couple guys that are, that are kind of figuring out their, uh, future plans. Um, who are also running John Harper from BYU. Um, he just graduated and is working on uh, near Ann Arbor and I've been training a lot with him and he's been a total beauty. Um, he's been a great training partner. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, Connor Mora has been, uh, sticking around in town. Billy Bund, uh, is, is starting a master's program. So he's going to be here. Um, and then there's just the, the, 
uh, current athletes that are still in town uh, training for the fall. So um, I'm always happy to get a, get a running buddy every day of the week. Um, and it's been really cool to, to have multiple in town to some good training in. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, looking at, uh, at what's coming up, I mean, like looking at the projection of your season, I know in that other podcast, you, you were, you were mentioning that, uh, that, uh, you know, it was really an upward tra- trajectory, uh, where you were, you know, maybe not putting in full mileage and that sort of stuff. I think there, there might still be a little more, uh, to your season that, that we can see is, do you have any races on the horizon? I, uh, I agree with you. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, there's no doubt and, and there's no question that um, up to this point, the NCAA championship has been, has been the greatest accomplishment date, but you know, I don't, I don't want it to stop there and I have no intention of, of uh, slowing down. So I, I definitely want to take things to the next level and just kind of carry on um, with the momentum I have. And I got a late start to my season, so I'm still feeling good. Um, I'm excited right now. I really, I, I love to compete. Um, being a student athlete kind of opens up the door to doors to, to try out some new opportunities. Um, so right now I'm entered at the Canadian track and field championships in the 5,000 meter. Hmm. Um, and that's going to be just a, a sweet race. I'm, I'm stoked about it because uh, we got CPTs in there. Um, uh, Justin Knight, uh, Muhammad Ahmed, uh, Lewis Kent. There's just a lot of, a lot of guys, uh, a lot of familiar names around the country um, who are running really well. So I'm really, really excited to get back into the Canadian system because it's something that I haven't really, uh, been a part of, uh, for, for a few years now. So, um, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, aside from that, things are kind of in the air. I'm just kind of, uh, focusing on how the body's feeling, um, over the next couple of weeks. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to get too crazy and want to make sure that I do take some downtime when, when appropriate. Um, but if it all goes well, you know, I'm eyeing a couple of road races, uh, the summertime to just kind of feel out, uh, uh, that style of racing and seeing how, how it fits my, uh, my athletic ability, because I think that's, that's somewhere where I could, um, potentially excel. Yeah, I mean, I was, I guess I was wondering about that as well, too. I mean, you know, you look at past collegiate, uh, you know, 10,000 meter runners, and they, some have used it kind of as a springboard to, to get into half marathons or, you know, get onto the roads and stuff, uh, while some of it have, you know, dropped down to the five or, you know, have stayed at the 10. You know, is, is 10 kind of the sweet spot for you? Or are you willing to experiment? Like, wh- where's your head uh, on that? I think it's safe to say that right now, um, based off of my current performances, uh, the 10K has been my sweet spot. Um, I don't know if it's gonna stay that way. Um, I'm. I don't really want to offer limit myself by by one specific distance. You know, the goal is to be um, an elite and exceptional athlete at, at every level. Um, from you know the half mile, maybe pushing it. So we'll go mile from a mile or 1500 all the way up to the marathon. So um, I'm really open minded right now. Um, I love to compete. Um, I love to represent. Um, you know, Canada and, and, and any opportunities that I get. Um, so I'm just kind of feel, going to feel things out right now and, and exp- I'm exploring, you know, where I'm going to end up um, post-collegiately and, and that might uh, help determine things as well. But um, is, is I'm very open-minded. I, I'd, be, I'd be willing to try the half marathon, potentially a marathon, um, as long as it makes sense. Um, I do think uh, a lot of gains can still be made in the 5K um, and the 10K. So, I'd be, I'd be uh, happy to pursue those. Um, yeah, no matter what distance I end up at, um, I've got a lot of confidence that I can take it on and, 
and I'm going to do everything I can to excel at it to the best of my ability. Uh, for sure, for sure. I'm going to leave you with one more question, and uh, I don't think I could get away without uh, without the race director kind of hounding me on this. Uh, you know, you're a big cross-country guy. Are you thinking cross-country Nats this year? In the fall, um, it's it's on my radar. Um, you know, I, 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 can't, I don't want to make any promises, obviously, because it's, it's a pretty long way out. So, as I said in, in a lot of my interviews, you know, I really, really do. Um, it's really important for me to athletics Canada and, um, you know, get, get back racing on the Canadian scene because, um, you know, throughout my career, they've been so supportive and really helped me develop as an athlete. Um, and I just love, I love racing in my home nation. Right. And, you know, it's always an honor to, to represent Canada on the international stage. So, um, yeah, as long as it doesn't conflict with, um, any other long-term goals, um, that and and I don't even know what those would be right now. That would I guess that would be considering if there was any fall races that I was really set on. But um, I love cross country, um, so it's definitely on my radar. I can't commit to it right now, but it fits in the schedule. Yeah, I'm, I'm I would love to be there. He is Ben Flanagan. He is the ten thousand meter champion at this year's NCAA championships. He also won uh, the the Offsa the Offsa West Regionals. Uh, he beat, beat my little brother couple of years ago and my parents have <laughs> ne- never forgiven ben for it however ben's a pretty nice guy and thanks oh my gosh <laughs> thanks a lot for for being on the show this week man that's too good tell your brother i say hello uh thank you so much for having me um to anyone who listens to this podcast thank you for listening um it's always a pleasure so uh i hope you enjoy the rest of your day all right Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week, both Charlotte and Ben, as well as to Tracky for their ongoing support. If you want to find us online, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at the Terminal Mile. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, Tracky.ca. Big thanks to you for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. (laughs) 